Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. My name is Ashley Lowe Blassingame, and I am your host. Today, we have Jessica Book. Jessica is here to talk to us about intersex, which falls under the LGBTQAI umbrella. I want to give you the definition. The definition of intersex is an umbrella term that describes bodies that fall outside the strict male-female binary. There are lots of ways that someone can be intersex. It is used for a variety of situations in which a person is born with reproductive or sexual anatomy that doesn't fit into either box. Sometimes doctors do surgeries on intersex babies and children to make their bodies fit binary ideas of male and female. Doctors always assign intersex babies a legal sex, male or female, in most states. But just like the non-intersex people, that doesn't mean that's the gender identity they'll grow up to have. This brings up questions about whether or not it's okay to do medical procedures on children's bodies when it's not needed for their health. Being intersex is a naturally occurring variation in humans, and it isn't a medical problem. Therefore, medical interventions like surgeries or hormone therapy on children usually are not medically necessary. Being intersex is also more common than most people realize. It's hard to know exactly how many people are intersex, but estimates suggest that about one to two in a hundred people born in the U.S. are intersex. There are many different ways someone can be intersex. Some intersex people have genitals or internal sex organs that fall outside male-female categories, such as a person with both ovarian and testicular tissues. Other intersex people have a combination of chromosomes that are different than XY, usually associated with male, and XX, usually associated with female, like XXY. And some people are born with external genitals that fall into the typical male-female categories, but their internal organs or hormones do not, much like our guest. So Jessica Book is a model student, volunteer, and advocate, and she is also in recovery. She has been the face of Pantene, CoverGirl, and more. Jessica is currently an undergraduate student studying to be pre-med at Santa Monica College, and she is planning on transferring to UCLA in 2021. She recently came out publicly as intersex, and she is now an intersex advocate. Diagnosed with CAIS, Complete Androgen Insensitivity Syndrome, at a young age, Jessica's life and upbringing relative to her body looked very different from the other kids around her, and she was taught to hide her condition for most of her life. Jessica spends her time studying, hanging out with her dogs, boyfriend, and friends, as well as volunteering with Blessed Bag and staying active through hiking, Pilates, and yoga. I am so excited for everybody to listen to Jessica. She is beautiful on the inside and out. And we even discussed the fact that if she ever committed a crime, her DNA is actually that of a man. But if you see photos of her, that will be very surprising to you. She is uh, absolutely stunning. So I hope this episode is very informative, especially uh, with this being Pride Month. I'm really excited for all of you to hear about what it's like being intersex, all the different ways that people are born and Jessica Book is here to tell us about her experience. So without further ado, I give you Jessica Book. Okay, so I was reading through my notes on you and I read 
I read something like you were foreign looking in mid America and you, that was a struggle and that you had you, your intersex and the complete androgens insensitivity syndrome. Okay. So I'm like, I'm, I don't know what you look like at this point. I'm picturing like, okay, she must look kind of like a boy, right? Like that's. And so then I went to look at you online. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) And so anyway, you it's, I just, I had so many um, questions for you. And then also I wrote a crime novel in my head because your DNA. <laughs> so yeah, I told her about that. <laughs> your, so your DNA is male. And so if you committed a crime, I, I feel this movie and book happening. If you committed a crime, the DNA would show up male and no one would ever suspect you. And so anyway, just wanted to let exactly. you know that that's, that's an avenue that's- in case you're <laughs> That's literally like the example I used to to tell everybody about my condition. I'm like, basically, like if I was to murder somebody, not that I'm going to, (laughs) then (laughs) um, I could because my on my birth certificate, it says I'm female, but my DNA is male. So see you thought i was like first i was like this is a this is amazing um but anyway thank you so much for being here to talk about us i i i would imagine uh when did you come out about being intersex i came out about being intersex in february so oh it's pretty like really recent. new I, yeah i mean my my close friends and stuff i've known like i've talked uh pretty openly about it for the last like maybe two years it just took me a long time to kind of like get the courage to like come out publicly you know just because people have like different opinions and like you know it's like a very personal thing to me and so it kind of like took a lot of like courage and like deep inner work to like be able to come out about it so I'm I'm pretty happy now what was the impetus for wanting to come out about it like what made you like now is the time well I actually got inspired by a lot of other people that I saw online coming out about it. And there's only one other girl in the, she identifies as they, them, uh, or they, sorry, I can't say that, but um, they identify as they, them. So I saw that they um, were open about being intersex and they're actually with the same agency that I am. They're with the sister agency in New York called Women Management and I'm with Women 360 Management. And this person is the only person in the fashion industry that I've ever seen or like the most like famous or like has the most followers on Instagram that I've ever seen public about being intersex. And and they really inspired me about coming out. Um, and they supported me and, um, talked me through it and told me about how their experience was when they told their agency, because that's, I, I, I haven't been very open with my agency about this before because, you know, I just didn't, really it wasn't wasn't something I really told anybody other than my close friends yeah how did your agency respond they were so so supportive and I think that they were really happy that I was able to be open and honest about it I also think that nowadays is kind of like the time to speak up about how you're different you know what I mean and I think that's something really valuable and important and for me it was just important to speak up about it because um like I said I haven't seen very many like people in the fashion industry who are open about it. And I thought that was really important to me. And it kind of like gave me a new avenue um, of the way I wanted to direct my life. You know, I'm, I'm going to school now full time. I'm trying to go to medical school to become an endocrinologist who specializes in intersex kids. So that's so awesome. That's so yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's crazy because um, the one thing that I found out from um, talking to everybody who is public about it online um, is that there are no intersex specialists. Like 
in the whole entire, in, in all of the United States, even like in LA, in the center of the LGBTQIA movement, there's no intersex specialist. So basically when you go to a doctor or an endocrinologist, they either have heard about it or they don't, but they don't really know every single thing about it. So you're just kind of getting like the things that they were taught about it is kind of what the only thing they know about it. Yeah. So wow. pretty that, crazy. That, that yeah. surprises me. That really mm-hmm. surprises me. That that's... Especially here in LA. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you were born and raised in Denmark mm-hmm. and uh, dad is Danish. Mom is American. And you moved to Indiana of all places when you were 12. How did you get from Denmark to Indiana? Okay. So my parents, knew they wanted to raise my sister and I in Denmark because it's a very pretty good place to grow up as a child. I had a very good childhood. You know, I grew up riding horses bareback through the fields, like running through like the woods and exploring abandoned castles. Like it was amazing. It's completely different than over here, you know, and it's a lot safer. I started taking the bus, like the public transportation when I was like eight years old or something by myself. Like it's totally different, but they knew they wanted to Uh, to raise us half of our life or half of our like childhood life in Denmark and half of it in America because I have family in both places and they chose Indiana because my grandmother lives in Illinois and they wanted to be close to her and my parents are both chiropractors so they were searching for clinics that they could take over in the area and the one the area they happened to find one in that they liked was Indiana so that's how we moved there. Got it. Okay. And so you were born in Denmark and that was when at birth is when they tested you for this condition. Yep. At birth. And that's actually usually not the case, um, especially for CAIS people, because on the outside, you really can't tell that anything is wrong or different, you know, for other people that have ambiguous genitalia or certain things um, that didn't develop right, it's a little more obvious. But for someone with my condition, it's not. And the only reason why they knew to test for it is because my aunt actually has the same thing that I do. So in my case, it's I think it's genetic in all cases. But in my case, it was genetic, like from somebody that actually was alive, you know, and that knew about it. Some people go their whole life without knowing, you know, they just think they can't have kids. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's really interesting. So so can you explain kind of what your condition is and, and you know, whatever you're comfortable in terms of the physicality? Yeah. So I am what's called intersex and intersex is like an umbrella term uh, because it applies to basically any variation in sex characteristics, hormones, genitalia, um, chromosomes, just any variation that is like not specifically male, female. And so my condition is something that's called complete androgen insensitivity syndrome. So it's like a condition that falls under intersex because um, I have XY chromosomes. So that's male chromosomes um, and complete androgen sensitivity syndrome stands for basically that I, my body is completely insensitive to androgens, which are the male hormones. So any male hormone in my body gets, my body turns it into estrogen. So it doesn't like, um, it can't like accept the male hormones basically. And so I was born uh, with internal gonads instead of a female reproductive uh, system. So my, on the outside, my body is 
female, like with like a regular vagina and everything like that. Um, but on the inside, I was born with internal gonads. So basically, um, when I was 11 months old, the doctors decided that um, they had to remove my gonads because they were to become cancerous. That's what they said to my my parents, and that's what my parents said to me later. So they removed them, which caused me to have to be on hormone replacement since the age of 10, I think, to kind of um, go through puberty, you know, develop breasts and, um, like, grow um, and just, like, develop, like, female, you know, because otherwise I wouldn't have any, um, any source of hormones. So, yeah, so... So your ovaries basically didn't, de- so your, your ovaries basically developed into gonads. Is that right? Like there's no, like there's no uterus. Mm, yes. Yes. So basically I believe that every human body starts as like a little female looking uh, fetus kind of thing. And so my body was supposed to turn into a male, right. But it like, or completely into a male, but it didn't do that because of like a genetic problem whatever right so so usually like gonads or whatever turn into ovaries and females but for my for me they stayed like testes so they're more like testes than they are they like to say gonads because that's like the more like accepted term because like i'm technically like a female right so but yeah basically if i would have kept them my body would have produced testosterone um but but my body would have turned it into estrogen yes so you would have been fine Yes, I actually recently talked to a girl who has complete androgen insensitivity syndrome, and she didn't find out about it till she was 15 and um, kept her gonads, and she was able to develop completely normally, like com- completely without hormones. And they're still the doctors are still trying to take her gonads out because they're saying they're cancerous. But I think that that is like complete bullshit in my opinion because basically they're their chances of becoming cancers are as much as males have a chance of getting testicular cancer, but you don't see them like chopping off their balls. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and they're not even, there's literally, there's no like real reason for them to remove them. It's not like they're like causing any issues or they're not even visible either. So if you identify as female, like they're not even, you can't even see them. So question about that. So like, when you kind of, when it came to finding that, you know, this information out, because none of it is, you know, appears on the outside. I mean, there are people who like are female and then there's you who's a model. So it's kind of, you know, it's like even takes it even further, right? Why does it feel like such a big part of your identity or something you have to come out with when people probably would never know and it doesn't affect that. I think that it's because I always felt, I think it's very much like a psychological thing, right? Like I always felt very different and not a part of, you know, every girl goes through a period when they get their period and I never got my period. And every girl always talks about, or most girls, you know, talk about how they want to have a life and have kids. And I wasn't, I I mean, I knew since the age of 10 that I wasn't able to have kids. And usually people don't like, if they can't have kids, they don't find out till they try. Right. So it's a little, so for that, it was hard for me. And also another thing, which is definitely a benefit now, but actually made me feel very different earlier is that I don't get like pubic hair, armpit hair. Like I don't, 
smell because I don't, I, I don't have, I don't have like the testosterone. So testosterone is what causes pubic hair and armpit hair and like, um, odors, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So like, I literally don't wear deodorant, like, and I don't smell like, like things like that, but little things like that is what made me feel different when I was a kid. Right. Like I, that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. I, all I wanted was like to have my period and to like talk about how like, Oh, like I'm getting weird hairs or whatever, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, just um, to fit in. Yeah, and then another thing is like when I was a kid, doctors always told me that I was probably never going to be able to have a normal sex life because, so in my body, I'm born without a cervix, right? So my my vagina is like instead of like a canal that goes like up into like something, you know what I mean? Yeah, like up into the uterus, the uterus or whatever. Right. Yeah, right. I don't have that, so mine is more like a pouch right? So it's like, so there's, there's like an ending to it. So some people have a more, like, it's very, it's kind of like graphic to talk about, but, but I mean, I'm, I'm totally open about it because there's people that need to know these things, right? So, so some people have a more like flexible and maybe like a little bit deeper of a pouch, you know what I mean? And so, um, and some people don't, so they don't really know how it's going to function for you until you have sex, right? So I was so, so terrified of having sex my whole entire life, um, which is actually a big part of um, how drugs were introduced into my um, story because I, everybody was talking about having sex and I was literally told from doctors that I probably wouldn't be able to have normal sex. Did they tell you like what kind of sex you'd be able to have or like what would well, happen they if would, you tried? They, they told me that the guy would definitely be able to feel a difference if something was wrong. So basically if I ever had sex with a guy, I would have to tell them about oh, this whole entire thing. Okay, right. Okay. And so, right. right. And, so it and yeah. Yeah. So it's like very involved. And you know, sometimes when like, when you're a teenager, yeah. like you're not, not really what you want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, you're just, you're not, in, you're like it's the conversation. Yeah. I can totally yeah. sense. Yeah. So it was, there's a lot of aspects to it in that way that just made me feel so like not a part of, like I didn't feel a part of in the girls club or the boys club, you know? So it was just kind of like, I was like, so what, like, what am I? So I kind of just felt like an alien, like growing up, you know what I mean? I was just like, well, something is different from my body and I can't talk to my girlfriends about it because they have no idea what I'm talking about. Right. So what about your aunt? Did she ever talk to you about it? She did. I think that because I had such a weird image of sex in my head growing up, it was really hard for me to talk about it with, even with my aunt who had the same condition that I did. Right. And so it just, I don't know, just talking to her was like talking to my mom about sex. Right, you know what right, I mean? It's like right, not like something not anybody wants to do. Yeah. 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 And so it just, it really, it was nice to have, you know, to know that there was somebody else like me. But for me, it was like talking to my mom about having sex. You know what I mean? Now we're able to talk about things because I'm older and it's like, something that's not as like weird as it is when you're a teenager you know but back then when I really needed someone to talk to it was a little bit too weird and uncomfortable for me yeah yeah that makes total sense and you, you were also told to hide your condition mm-hmm. yeah that's another thing they tell pretty much all intersex kids when they're young because because they basically what they told me is like you need to not tell people because people are going to start rumors about you and kids are really mean and you're not going to be able to, you're, you're going to live the most normal life if you just, if you just pretend like everything's normal. Right. And so that like also really messed with my head a lot and I didn't really have 
like any counseling or therapy I could go and talk to about that. You know what I mean? My mom is my mom and dad, you know, they were amazing and did their best, but they didn't, they thought that I could talk to them about everything, but that's just not the case for kids. You know what I mean? Like they, that, you know, we have a very close relationship. Yeah. Yeah, They want it to be, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not really how it goes. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was just weird, you know? So, so then how do you go from, so you have, you're feeling totally left out. When did you start using? I started using when I was about, I mean, I smoked weed and stuff since I was like probably 13 or something and drank and stuff like that. But like, I feel like I started doing it to medicate myself when I was about 17. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But, but so by then though, you had already entered Miss Indiana Teen USA. Yeah. So I, I entered Miss Indiana Teen USA um, my freshman year of high school, I was still going to regular high school in Indiana. I was 15 and I happened to win and I went to Miss Teen USA in the Bahamas. And from there, I got scouted as a model. And um, I kind of saw that as like my way out of Indiana and in high school. And like, just, I don't know, I was bullied a little bit and, and just kind of felt very different. You know what I mean? I, I always tried to like move on from the next place. That's kind of like how... I coped with things, you know, first I moved to de- from Denmark to America and then I was like, okay, well now I'm still feeling weird. So I'm going to try to on to the next thing. Right. And that's kind of how like my whole entire life went uh, up until I got sober pretty much. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I moved to Miami for six months first. Um, I lived with my godparents when I was 15 till I was about 16 for modeling. And uh, my mom came out all the time, of course. Um, and I, then I got a contract in New York and I moved to New York when I was 16. Wow. And what, who did you get a contract with? Um, I got a contract with, um, women management and, uh, the thing that kind of put it all together for me was when I got a huge contract for Pantene and I was making, I ended up making, um, more money than my parents, uh, when I was 17 or maybe I was 18, and they're both chiropractors, so they couldn't really, like, tell me that I shouldn't go do what I was doing at that young age, you know what I mean? So that's kind of, like, what, like, validated it for them, you know? Right, right. And and how long... So you were living in New York at 16, and uh, you were probably traveling all over the world at that point. Yeah, I, I um, lived in Milan for six months. Milan is in Italy. Um, and London, Paris... Germany, Barcelona, all over the place for my modeling career, um, which was great. But I think, yeah, around 17 is when I started like medicating, like self-medicating with like whatever drugs and alcohol I could find. And that was easy for me to find at that young age in that industry all over the world. It didn't matter where I was, you know, and it started out with Adderall because I was still um, trying to finish online high school after I, you know, transferred out of regular high school. I still had to finish high school. And then it kind of went on to like Coke, Molly, you know, and then eventually I was taking a lot of pills. And then like the thing that really brought me down was like Oxycontin and then accidentally doing heroin. And then it was all like, you know, bad from there, pretty much. When you started doing heavy drugs, were you back in the United States? Yes. Yeah. I couldn't, I wasn't able to like get pills and all that kind of stuff in Europe that was more like coke and weed and drinking you know what I mean but um prescription pills is kind of an American thing Uh, so I kind of 
stop going to Europe because of that. I was like, I'm just going to stay over here now. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, things really started to fall apart for me. And, uh, I wasn't working very, I wasn't showing up to work because I had made so much money. And when I was so young, I thought that, well, I made all this money. Like I'm never going to have to work again. It's going to last me forever, which is just not the case. You know what I mean? But I didn't know any better. I really didn't. Um, and I didn't want to talk to my parents. I didn't want to like talk to anybody. I was like, I know everything and you know nothing. Right. And so, yeah, it was. Did they, (laughs) did, did they have an idea of what was going on or did they, um, ask you about it or what was their kind of, yeah, I mean, they, they knew that something was up, but they really just thought I was smoking too much weed and maybe drinking too much, you know, but they really didn't know how bad it was one because I, I lit, they lived in Indiana and I lived in New York. So it was hard for them to really tell. And I never really wanted to see them, you know, because of what I was, I think I was also, you know, ashamed and of what I was doing because I knew it was wrong. Right. So yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, that went on for a while and I moved to LA when I was 21 to try to like get over this little weird thing I was going through. And it honestly just got worse there. It got way worse. Yeah. The geographics don't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they don't. Cause you bring the problem with you. So you, you felt really left out, but then you found the fashion community and they, it sounds like they embraced you really young. You got these great contracts. You're, you know, did you feel like you fit in there? Like with, with, in that community? I honestly never really felt like I fit in anywhere. I thought it was all like kind of pure luck. I, that was just kind of like the mentality that I had, you know what I mean? I really didn't think I'd like deserved any of it, but I mean, I was definitely, it was like, it was a really fun time, you know, when I was booking all those jobs and working a lot. Um, but I think the thing that made me feel okay with myself was definitely when I found like my concoction of drugs and alcohol that worked for me. Right. That's like what made me okay. And so I actually ended up losing my virginity when I was 19 because I was like so coked out and like drugged out to the point where like, I basically didn't know what was going on because that's how I had to be in order for me to like get over my fear, um, of, of having sex and figuring it out. And it happened to be that it was like, it ended up being okay. Like everything worked just fine. You know what I mean? Like maybe it was a little uncomfortable in the beginning, but it wasn't like anywhere what the doctors had told me, or maybe I had made up in my head, you know? So because every case does vary with my, my condition. So some people, you know, have it worse than others. Some people do have to have a vaginoplasty, like surgery, reconstructive surgery. I actually considered that for a while because I was so scared. But before you'd even I, tried. Yeah, before yeah. I'd even tried. I mean, I had to use, you know, it's something similar to trans people. Like, well, intersex is not trans, like trans at all. But um, trans people have to use like dilators when they get vaginoplasty, right? To like dilate the vagina. With my, because their type of vagina that they get from a vaginal plasty is the same kind of vagina that I have, like that I was born with. So yeah. So I had to use dilators from like 14 to 17, which is also pretty traumatic. Cause I was like, so like, I like, what's hadn't a, even had, how does that work? A, what's a dilator? So a dilator is like a metal rod that you like shove up there to like, to like make room for what's going to go in there eventually. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So you had that to do like, that from 14, you weren't having sex, but you had to use a dilator. I mean, I told them that like my friends were, so I was like, just in case something happens, like yeah, I yeah, want to yeah. be prepared, you know what right, I mean? Right, right, so, right. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I use 
I, I used that. I mean, I, I don't know. It was pretty, it was all pretty traumatic to me because I didn't even know. I just felt so like alone. Like I, I honestly thought a lot of this was like normal, but people just didn't talk about it, you know? So it was just, it was, I was very confused. Did you ever tell anyone along the way? Um, yeah, I told my close friends, but it took me a while to like really even get informed about what I was and what exactly, um, my condition was like my, for a lot of my like younger life, I, when I told people, I was like, yeah, I had cancer when I was young. So I had to have like my uterus removed. And so I don't get a period, like something like crazy yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that, because that justified it. Right, you know what right? I mean? To me. Yeah. 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 I mean, that makes sense to me. And uh, did your, you have a younger sister. Did she know about it? Yeah, she knew about it. Yeah. She's awesome. She's even actually um, offered to donate like one of her eggs. If I ever want to do have kids with like my whatever husband or boyfriend or whatever, you know? So that's really amazing of her. Yeah. So she's like completely normal female. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. So you, so, okay. So you're doing a lot of drugs. You moved to LA and what happens? You thought, okay, I don't ever have to work again. I'm, you know, came to LA to clean things up. Things got worse. What happened? I kind of fell in, I mean, I was in a bad crowd already, like a very heavy partying crowd. And I had this really crazy, crazy, crazy boyfriend in LA who I'd met in New York. And uh, me and him together was just a bad combination. We never left the house and we just like used all the time. And I never worked and I didn't show up to anything. And if I did, I would show up like not sober with like powder on my nose and I would get sent home, right? Like it was really bad. And, uh, that kind of went on for a while. And actually when I moved to LA, the reason, the reason why, like I convinced my parents this would be good is because my sister moved with me to LA from, she moved out from Indiana with my parents to move to LA with me. And so she moved there to like, help me calm down. But I'm like a crazy addict, like manipulative psycho bitch. And I like convinced her that everything I was doing was normal. And she started doing it with me. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's kind of like having somebody there, like justifying my behavior and like making sure that I didn't die. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Was yeah. made oh, it I so do. much worse. Yeah. It yeah. Made, made it so much worse. Cause I had been alone for so long, you know? So I was like, just like, oh, this is normal. And then somebody like from my family was there. I was like, I got to get her on this train. She's my little sister. So I can like manipulate her. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) A lot. Yes, I do. I have a younger sister who I used with a lot and it's, uh, it, you definitely, it's definitely a, you definitely trust them that they're going to keep you alive more than you do in other situations. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It was nice for that. It's crazy. It's a really weird feeling. It's like, it becomes very codependent. Very. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that, that kind of took me down. And then by the end of that year, she was like realizing how crazy the shit was. And she was like trying to get out of it and trying to do her own thing. And I was like, why are you leaving me? Like, don't, don't leave me. Like, I can't do this by myself. And I just started like losing my shit and like really going crazy. And my, my ex-boyfriend was like getting cirrhosis of the liver and I was getting blamed for it and all this crazy shit. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I really need to figure my shit out. And something happened. Some Somehow my mom was informed about what I was really doing finally after all these years. And she came out and, like, forced me to stay with her for, like, three weeks and, like, got me an addiction doctor who thought she thought that that would help me. 
and he basically was like prescribing me Xanax to like get <laughs> off, <laughs> like, but like to get, yeah, to, to so get that I wouldn't die. Yeah. So I wouldn't yeah, yeah. die because you can't just stop taking like all the, shit, you know? Yeah. And so I was like doing that. And the whole time I was, I was, you know, just trying to get by. I was trying to do everything other than opiates. Like I was trying, I was just do, like smoking weed, taking Xanax, like, doing blow, doing everything. I just like nothing. I couldn't feel good again. Like I just couldn't not feel good like without the opiates. Yeah. And so it was just, it was a nightmare. And previously to that, another person that sent me to like a, like six months before that, another person that sent me to like another kind of like holistic rehab where you hike in the mountains for 11 miles a day and eat vegan food or whatever. And I like got high the the night I left but this time around I was like oh my god my mom knows like shit is over I have like no money I'm just gonna try this out and I really was trying my hardest and and like just trying to do everything other than opiates and the minute my mom left I called the drug dealer I was like I give me all the opiates you have like I need everything and I was like okay I'm calling the rehab now and I called the rehab someone came and picked me up the next day like I'd done all my drugs and I went into rehab, tried to leave a bunch of times. I didn't leave and I am sober for three years now. So that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I just got three years on, on June 7th. That's awesome. On Sunday. Yeah. Congratulations. That's a big deal. Thanks. So Thank you. you, the, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember my family trying to police me. I love when people are like, Oh yeah, I'll come here and stop you. Like that's not happening not happening were you were you were people lose not hiring you anymore did you get did you lose contracts that you had yeah I mean there was one there was one instance where me and my sister were actually booked together like as sisters on a job in New York for five days and I was so fucked up and we got to the shoot and I was like really fucked up on the shoot and they told us they were like some, they like said that the clothes didn't fit right or something, but they sent us home that day and canceled, canceled us for the whole week because I was like so out of control or something. Like I barely remember it. And, um, yeah, a lot of things like that happened. I got canceled many times. I got, you know, I didn't show up. I was late. I was just not a good employee, like just not, not someone you could hire and rely on. And have you been able to get some of that, those contracts back or how has it been kind of re-entering into that space? Or yeah. Did, or I did mean, you never leave? I, I mean, I left for about like, I would say almost like a year. Um, but I started working again right away after I, you know, after I went back into it, it's just ever since I was young, the industry has really changed a lot. Like I started out before social media and everything like that. And, um, now and and LA is just a different like different place than New York but I mean I was working a lot but it never was like I, like it was when I was um first starting with all the big contracts for sure you know and I think that it was like you know the way that things out things played out was definitely a blessing because I was able to figure out other things that that interested me you know I think for me I'm someone who craves something a little deeper than just being uh, judged off of your looks. You know what I mean? And, and I feel like it's kind of some, that's kind of been a pattern throughout my whole life. And so I decided I wanted to go back to school. And so that's what I've been doing. And I've really been loving that a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be an interesting 
experience to have your physical body be the thing that tortures you, right, emotionally, but also the thing that is heralded by the world. Like, you know, constantly, like, you're so beautiful, all, you know, we want to hire, we want to pay, not only are you beautiful, we want to pay you a lot of money to take your picture and, you know, this, that, the other. But at the same time, your relationship with your body is also tortured because of this intersex piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. It was like such a battle. I mean, I've had so many battles with my body, you know, not only drugs, but for for a time, you know, the way that my addiction started out was from an eating disorder. I was like super, super anorexic, you know, like I would like that's kind of like why I justified doing drugs in the beginning, too, because I was like, well, it helps me not eat. So like, but my relationship with my body is just so messed up because people were like telling me like, oh, you're so gorgeous or like you look so amazing. And I'm like, I'm like an alien. Like, what the fuck is happening with my body? Like, you don't even know me. Like, right. I'm so messed up, you know? Right, right. You can't enjoy it. Like, you can't enjoy it. Yeah, that's an interesting, it's an interesting piece, right? Because from the outside, it looks like one thing, but on the inside, like you just cannot enjoy, you know, the other gifts of your body because you feel like this one piece of it is not the same as everybody else's. Yeah, it's like you can't judge a book by its cover, right? It's like literally that, you know? Yeah, yeah. So now that, you know, the in the intersex community, you said you saw someone come out and talk about it. What what has the journey been like of coming out and talking about it? And who who have you told and sort of can you walk us through that? Yeah. So since I've come out publicly, I've had several people reach out to me, you know, of different kinds of intersex conditions, but specifically I really find it special when someone who has complete androgen sensitivity reaches out to me because I feel like I can really, really personally relate to them. And that's been really, really special to me. I feel like this has been like a new form of healing is just because I, I still am healing from it. You know, I thought my whole life that there was nobody like me. And my doctors told me that it was like one in a million when really it's 1.7% of the population, like, which is as much as redheads who are intersex, you know? And like the fact that people, people don't know about intersex, like even I talked to you and I talked to Christiana, right. And, um, most people have never even heard about it. And they're like, wow, like your condition, like sounds so crazy. I've never heard of that. Like that. I really honestly had no idea that existed. And that's another huge part of why I wanted to come out about it and just inform people, even just my friends, you know what I mean? Just, I want people to know. Yeah. 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 It's interesting because, so I knew there was a study that came out that talked about different androgen washes and how, and it was around rats and homosexuality. And so I I had read this study and it talked about the process of, from the change from, from female to male and how in the fact that that change happens is where things, I hate to say go wrong, right? Because I don't want to say it's not like wrong, but that, that, that during that, that switch, that's when the you get more of one hormone, not enough, you know, this, it changes here, but not here. And so I knew that, um, I knew I went to treatment with a guy who had, he had both and the doctor at birth, he had a penis and he had a vagina and at birth they had closed up the vagina, I guess they had, they had decided which he was going to, that he was going to be a male and they had closed it up. And I mean, I never saw it, so I don't know what the exact formation of all things were, was, but it was interesting because 
they closed it up and that was it and and gave him hormones. And so we went to treatment together and he was he was a him. He was a very much a him too. So I was very shocked to find out that after treatment he became or was trans and decided that he wanted that he was actually really female, had always really felt female and that his parents had made that decision for him and that he was at the, that he was so hurt that he didn't get the chance to make that decision and and so on and so forth. And it, that was my first kind of like introduction to this idea that these genetic things are happening at birth and the decisions that are being made are happening before the person has any idea about their own body, right? And maybe not enough information and we have, you know, you said like as many redheads that, you know, if that's the case, how many people, how many children are we making decisions for? And how are we thinking about those decisions? Those are topics that are really important and that I've already, he, he, um, who is, became a, she is now dead because he, she used herself to death as a result of this, you know, battle. And so I, I, I'm sure that that is something that is fueling so much, you know, anguish. And I think that you coming out and talking about it and just normalizing the conversation and allowing, allowing us to have it and to figure out like, you know, for me to say like, okay, so what do you have and how does that work? And do you, do you have a uterus? No, I don't. And just trying to, trying to under, you know, understand, I think really, really helps you know, is going to really help the community for sure. Right. I know it's pretty crazy. I mean, one thing I do want to clarify, you actually can't have both that function. You can have yeah, one function. That function. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Sometimes people just get it confused. Like, oh, you yes. can have like yeah, both, yeah, yeah. right? No. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's basically, that is the case for a lot of intersex kids. And I, that's something that I've come across, you know, that I had no idea existed, you know, for me, like, my condition is very much on one end of the spectrum. Like I'm very much female, you know what I mean? My body. And, you know, I, I identify that way. You know, some people who will have my condition don't, but I very much identify that way. But, but some people who, for example, have partial in androgen insensitivity syndrome, right? They, they're only partially in uh, what's it called insensitive to androgens. And so their body they might have like an enlarged clitoris, which was supposed to be a penis, you know what I mean? And so their genitals might not look like this or that, you know? And so as, as a child, like maybe I've heard of people doing, having it done when they were six, when they were 12, 17, all before the age of 18, because that's when they, the doctors decide they need to do it in order to have a normal life, right? Um, the doctors change their genitals or their gender, like based on which surgery is easier to do or more successful to do. You know what I mean? And that is so crazy because so many people are so scarred for life. For example, there's um, one, there's a person on YouTube who's very open about this and they, their name is Pigeon and they have partial androgen sensitivity syndrome. You should look them up on, on YouTube. It's called Pigeon. And they talk about, uh, their surgery, I believe they were like, I think they were like maybe 10 or 11 or something like that. Don't quote me on that, but they had surgery and they identify as non-binary and they, you know, never wanted that surgery. They never wanted 
the doctors to touch their genitals. They wanted them to keep them the way they are. And you, some people like, they don't know, like maybe they want to be male, maybe they want to be female, but like the fact that somebody before they can consent, like, you know, decides that for them is really sad. And the doctors, you know, like most parents have the, the best intention, you know, when they do what, what the doctors say, because the doctors here have like the higher power, like, you know what I mean? They have, they like the parents are always going to listen to like what's quote like what's best for the kid right and so yeah it's just crazy and I think that it's something that definitely needs to be talked about in this country there's no laws against like non-consensual genital like surgery for intersex kids in America and there was actually a bill that we were trying to get passed this past fall that would make it illegal to operate like on um, children without consent, like intersex children without consent. And it failed. Like they, they didn't pass the bill because they said that they needed like whatever, whatever the legislator, like they, they said that they couldn't pass the bill because I don't know, I guess they need to like decide for the kids, like what gender they're going to be. I don't know. It's really messed up. Like it's basically modern day genital mutilation. You know, they, they talk about that in Africa, but it happens here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's it's um, it's really you know it's been helpful thinking about this and thinking about just the intersex umbrella for me. It's been helpful thinking about sometimes when there's so many gender options, right? That we're talking about like binary, not binary. Like we, you know, Facebook has seventy two different gender options, right? And you know, as someone who you know, as someone who hasn't had that experience. For many years, I have not understood why there are so many and why someone wouldn't identify, right? I always think to myself, well, I don't feel, you know, I, there's parts of me that feel male and there's parts of me that feel female. But if you are intersex, if you have, you know, if you, if you literally, you know, your DNA, right, is you may, you know, in your case, no, but I can completely understand why you're like, I'm not really sure. I, you know, I don't feel like either one. And quite literally, my DNA, my my biology is not either one. And that actually is, you know, a really helpful way to think about it and to think about how must how it must make people feel when we want to categorize them and they can't be categorized and how left out that must feel. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because I think that society has such like a fixed idea of what is male and what is female but intersex people you know are literally proof that there's something in between that you know what I mean right right. there's actually something between male and female it's crazy you know and what's a hermaphrodite yeah that's that is like is that intersex yes that's intersex but the new word for hermaphrodite is intersex okay okay I'm just making sure yeah yeah yes 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 so like Hermaphrodite is like old terminology in in the intersex community. Okay, yeah. and is it is is it a, a like a bad word? Like kind a of derogatory it, word. Like I mean, I, yeah, kind of. I okay. I mean, I I'm also just not learning about this. So like, if you're intersex and you're listening to this, please don't like get mad at me for certain things that I say. You know, like I I just I just started learning like honestly about my condition this past year. Like I mean, I just decided this past summer, what I wanted to go into, which is specializing in intersex 
people. And throughout all that, I've been learning stuff like every day. And since I came out to people have corrected me and I totally appreciate that because I'm not an expert like right. at all. You know? Right. So. Right. Yeah. This has just been your, your life experience. Have you met other people in the program who have talked to you? Like, has it been something that people in the, you know, in the recovery world have reached out to you about at all? Definitely. My girlfriends have, um, I think that for cis males, it's very weird for them to talk about because, you know, I just think that it's scary. Like cis guys are for some reason really scared of like ever like talking about any kind of gender issues, you know what I mean? Or like being like, oh, because I have a boyfriend, you know what I mean? So cis guys are like, oh, like, does that make him gay? Or like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like <laughs> such a weird, like, oh, come you know, on. Really? No, but yeah, I, mean, I feel like, I feel like males are really weird about gender stuff. So I've never had anybody who's male talk about it. I mean, I've of course talked to my boyfriend about it. He's been very supportive and amazing about it, but mostly it's women who talk to me about it and support me. But the the other cool thing that's come, uh, that's come from coming out about being intersex is meeting other intersex people here in LA. I've met some really cool people here and the only other intersex person I've ever met before that was my aunt, you know what I mean? And those like, like another version of my mom. So it's a little weird, you know? Yeah. yeah you're like, I don't really want to talk about my vagina and sex with you. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's been really cool. Yeah. And so there, and in LA, there's so many people, you know, that are part of like the pride movement and everything like that. And the cool thing is that I've met many different kinds of intersex people, not just people with my condition. And there's so many different variations. Like, you know, if you think about it, there's so many different ways that you can be, this or that or something in between right so it's like it's pretty crazy and it's pretty amazing you know because I think we've all had the same experience and feelings of being different and like being like a lab rat like I remember growing up and I thought that it was normal for like three different male doctors to look at your vagina for like 10 minutes and like probe around when you're like six years old like not that that's like molestation because it's like in a you know what I mean but like I thought that was normal. And it was like really weird for me. I was just like, and my parents were like standing there looking with me and I'm like, this is like my private parts. You yeah, know what I mean? It's yeah. like very weird. But like, there's other people that have gone through that. And the, yeah, you know a lot of I mean? poking and prodding. Yeah. That, that, that would, you know, it's interesting. We talk, when we go, get into recovery, most of us felt like we, you know, we were born with our skin too tight. We were born different. We didn't get the, you know, we were born without the manual for life, right? Like everybody else got the manual for how to do this thing. And we didn't. And Um, We just never felt a part of. And it's interesting to talk to people who literally, you know, they were born, you know, when you have the experience, right? Like you were actually born different or you were like, you had this and, and what that feels like and, and how easily that leads to substance use when you don't know how to deal with the feelings. And, and with what's even more amazing is that sobriety, I have seen sobriety bring people, whatever their you know, challenge in life is. I have seen sobriety force it out and have the world accept them. I have not seen situations where people could, like I was thinking, you know, like if you came out about it, how did it go? You know, right. Where people, and I, the recovery community, I have seen them embrace all sorts of different kinds of things because you know, we want people to know that no matter what we support them, we'll fit in. And so I can just see how getting sober was the first piece 
for you. It was like, that was the baseline, right? And then this next piece, this next layer of freedom came from this, you know, the secret that's been, that you were told to keep. You were told from a little girl, like, don't tell anyone this. This is, this will be bad for you. And, and, you know, particularly after a, you know, basically a lifetime of people admiring your looks, what an interesting, you know, what an interesting group of events to take place. Right. I know it's it's a weird, it's a weird thing, but it's really, it's really amazing to like kind of get in touch with who you really are. And it kind of like teaches you what you have to offer the world. Like I always kind of knew that modeling wasn't everything that I needed to feel good. You know what I mean? It didn't feel, it didn't like really fill me up, you know, but, but like, this like coming out about being intersex and like informing people has really given me like a new kind of inspiration for life about what I want to do and like what my purpose is you know what I mean here on earth and I think that sometimes it it's it can be difficult for people to figure out what the hell their purpose is you know what I mean and I'm just I'm just very happy that for me that it's been pretty obvious you know (laughs) right 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 it's been straightforward and you're a great you're a great uh, spokesperson, you know, you're a great person to, you know, approachable and, and all of those things for people to, people will will want to listen to what you have to say about it. And they will certainly be surprised that any part of you is male as I was. I was like, I am so lost. How is it? Like, you know what I mean? There's some people, it's like, they, you know, they, there's some people where they're more masculine or feminine or okay, whatever, maybe I could see it. But like, I took one look at you and was like, uh... She has male DNA. Uh huh. Yeah. I. I mean, it's pretty crazy. It's because like so. Another like word for my condition or that I have seen online is kind of like superwoman ish. Like because they like every everything is like feminized, right? Because for my condition, my condition is the only one of the intersex variations that completely feminizes everything so every hormone turns into estrogen so like every part of me is like like you know hormones so really female, make a big difference. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah hormone, like hormones really make a big difference in like your appearance you know all females who you know get a period and have normal reproductive system have testosterone too you know what i mean so like imagine being even more female than that like in like your hormones you know what I mean? That's why it can be hard to like, wow, like she has male DNA because I'm so feminine, right? Right. So it's like it doesn't, very crazy. Yeah. It, it's but that's a great that's a great um I always find like the the some of the best spokespeople for things are the ones you never see coming. That's because because you have a, the captive audience, right? People are like, I'm sorry, what? That doesn't make sense. Whereas if you have someone, if you have a woman who is you know, she's six, three and she looks like she could be in the WNBA and you're like, Oh, she's intersex. It's not that far off that, okay. She had more testosterone like she, or whatever, you know, and, and and you, it's, it's, it's imaginable, but with you, it's, it's just not even ballpark imaginable, but it's interesting, right? Cause your body turns it all into estrogen. I'm very jealous that you don't have any body hair and that you don't smell. And it feels like that's very unfair, but it also sounds like you deserve to get, you know, some, some of the positive aspects out of it from that perspective. What was your conversation like how did you approach this with your boyfriend, the conversation? So I approached it with my boyfriend. I believe I told him like when we started to get 
more intimate. Also because, you know, when I was not sober, when I was still using, I haven't, I hadn't dealt with any of this stuff. I still had all like, even though I had a boyfriend um, while I was using for on and off for a year and a half. And, you know, we were definitely sexually active. I was so gone like far off this earth that I had no idea if he could feel something different or if I could feel something different because honestly I couldn't feel anything like ever yeah like every part of me was numb physically yeah. emotionally yeah. everything like yeah. Yeah. yeah so I honestly had no idea so I was like very raw and like you know, open when I first got sober and I started dating my boyfriend when I had like six months sober or something like that. And so, yeah, I think I told him when we first started getting intimate and he was just like, okay, that's cool. Like, yeah, that's fine. And, um, and, and he's like, I, uh, I support you and I'm here for you. And, um, let's just see how it goes. And, and, you know, we did the thing and it was fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I yeah. Mean, that's, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that, that, you know, that it's all good. I, I wonder what he was like, like, I wonder how I would take that information in. Like if someone, you know, if I were dating someone mm-hmm. and they told exactly. me, exactly, like, I'm like, Oh my God, what? I, 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 it's not even that there's any, it's not even that I would, I, I'm like, Oh, there's something wrong with that. I just don't know how it's like information right. you don't see coming. It's just like you would never expect to hear that, right? Yeah. So you're just like, what? I'd be thinking like, uh, okay, you have an STD. Like that's this, right? Yeah, like, that's exactly. the talk coming. It has yeah. to be, you know, yeah, or, or five exactly. kids somewhere or something. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> intersex I just would never see coming. Yeah, exactly. It's very interesting. I mean, I think that one thing to be very grateful for and positive about this is just that you know my the way that things worked out for me is really fortunate you know that I'm able to have a normal like romantic and sex life you know that's definitely a blessing because not all intersex people are able to you know what I mean some people um are like I said they have those those um genital reconstructive surgeries and those surgeries are really really hard to accomplish especially if you're working with tissue that's you know that's ambiguous that's not either or and some of them are like botched and they can never feel anything down there or they are never going to be able to have you know sex you know like it's like it's very crazy what some of these people have to go through and I feel so much for them you know it's it's really insane and it's crazy that that you know the country we're living in like doesn't have any more laws and restrictions about that and like isn't more informed you know there's no specialists like I said before and there's no people who there's like you know imagine if there's like some condition that that people who with redheaded redheaded people had to have like surgery for because they were redheaded and there was no doctor that specialized in it I mean that is like mind-blowing to me it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, there's there's doctors like endocrinologists who know and who've had, you know, a patient, like one patient, maybe like it before, but there's no person that like specifically studies to help intersex people. Right. So it's like, it's very crazy. That, I mean, that is, I really, that really surprises me and, and tells me that there's a long way to go with that. And, and I would suspect that this that a lot of people use over this and that a lot of people use substances to cope with, you know, any kind of, of, you know, intersex issues because they don't feel like they can talk about it. I, I mean, it seems, it makes perfect sense. Like if you, if you have a condition, nobody can talk, you can't talk about the plagues you and, 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 
you can't talk about it, that you would seek some sort of numbing agent of some kind. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and some people don't even know about it till they're like, you know, trying to go through or going through puberty or anything like that, you know? So it's like, it's just crazy because it's so, it varies so much, you know what I mean? But I think that, you know, a big motivation for me to go to school and go through med school and like all these things is just, you know, being able to be somebody who can, you know, one, advocate for them in the medical community, which I, there's another, there's another guy who is intersex. His name was Michael, Dr. Michael Krusner. I saw him at a UCLA uh, seminar. Um, it was like a LGBTQIA seminar at uh, UCLA med school. And he talks about, you know, he's out there doing seminars about what intersex is and intersex people. And like, you know, so there's people out there like that, but a big motivation for me is just, you know, being there for, my community and like, you know, making sure that intersex people have like the right resources. And like, I wish that I had been, you know, told like, you need to go to counseling or therapy or something, you know, you need to talk about these things. I had no idea how to talk about any of them. Like, I, I mean, I had, I was like, I had to be on drugs for me to like, want or like be able to have sex, you know what I mean? Like, that's not normal behavior, you know what I mean? So it's like, just, I mean, that and also the medical part, you know, there's just so many things that need to be improved in our community. And there's many ways that we are underserved, you know, as a whole. And I think that that is something that, you know, people, that's another reason why people need to speak up. And that's another motivation for me wanting to come out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I suspect that this will see a lot more you know, as time goes on and people get more educated about the topic and it'll be, there will be much more information about how to handle it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would be, re- it, it feels that everything you described about growing up with the condition feels like, you know, would be traumatic experiences would be, con- you know, and so we, and we know what happens with, tra- you know, young trauma. So that's, uh, but it's, I it's incredible that you, um, you've been able to be sober for three years and you've put this amazing life together and that you've decided to, to take, you know, your experience and put it towards something, you know, you see a need in the community and to show up for that. And especially when you don't, I mean, the truth is, is that you could have a a great career as a model. So it's, it's not something, you know, you weren't desperate to find a career. It's, you know, it's, you found your passion, which is really exciting. Yeah. And and the thing is, like now with social media, it's so much more obvious that people don't know about it because now there's such like, you know, it's so easy to spread information and like to talk to other people like before, you know, when I was finding out as a kid, there wasn't really like a huge like social media. So I couldn't really reach out and see, you know what I mean? But now there's like 15 year old girls or like whoever like going through puberty who are intersex reaching out to me saying like, thank you so much for talking about this. You know what I mean? It's like a different experience. I think that it's going to be like definitely a huge part of like changing this community, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and being on the podcast. And uh, we, I would love to direct people to your Instagram. If people are, you know, want to reach out to you, what is your Instagram handle? It's at jbook. Okay, so my last name is Book, not Butch or Bush or Bush. People say it different a million different ways. It's jbook, but it's spelled um, J B is in boy U C H. Okay. And to reach out to you there about this topic, if they, you know, if they're interested in learning more information, and then we're going to put notes in, uh, on the show notes where people can find more information about intersex. And we're also going to look for 
some organizations that support that so people can reach out. Mm-hmm. For as well. Yeah, there's there's a really great um, organization called Interact who works who works with um, young intersex kids. And I have like um, a slide on my Instagram, like highlights that describes what intersex is. And I have a couple of videos that I worked with my agency for Pride Month coming out about intersex. So, um, yeah, just keep keep uh, keep tuned and you'll see. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This podcast is sponsored by Lion Rock Recovery. Lion Rock provides online substance abuse counseling where clients can get help from the privacy of their own home. They are accredited by the Joint Commission and sessions are private, affordable, and user-friendly. Call their free helpline at 800-258-6550 or visit www.lionrockrecovery.com for more information.